We're here back in uh, Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, just to kind of remind you why we are here in chapter uh, 10, just for a few weeks. Today is the last message that we're looking at in this chapter is really because the author of Hebrews is really about perseverance. Um, He's writing to a church. He's writing to a congregation. He's writing to Christian believers who are struggling and are tempted to kind of fall back on what they knew before they became Christian and even losing their faith. And so um, he writes this and he wants to give them encouragement to really persevere uh, in their faith in spite of their circumstances and in spite of Uh, the situation that they're living. And if you've been following us um, in the past couple of weeks, just to kind of quickly remind ourselves, it's it's the numbers two and three, right? That's what we've said, two truths that he gives us and and then three exhortations. And what we've been looking at is in light of these two truths, uh, we've been looking at those those three things that that the author of Hebrews tells us to do if we want to persevere uh, in our faith. And those true, those two truths, if you remember, was this. Number one is the fact that we have entrance into the presence of God. Uh, we have access to a holy God. That's what he's saying. We have his presence. And the second one is we have Jesus Christ. Because of what Jesus has done, uh, giving us presence into God, pre- uh, uh, access to God's presence, and because of who Jesus is as our great priest who prays for us, uh, who gave his life for us, who shepherds us, uh, we have these two truths his presence and his priesthood, right? Those are it, his presence and his priesthood. And what Hebrews is doing now is that in light of those two things, he gave us three exhortations, three encouragements that we are to do. And you look in our passage, it's found in these words, let us. And in verse 22, we saw the first one, let us draw near because of his presence and his priesthood, let us draw near. Uh, and then the second one we looked at last week was in verse 23, uh, because of his presence and his priesthood, let us hold fast. Let's hold on to our confession, uh, to our faith. Let's hold on to Jesus Christ. And today, the third and final, uh, I guess, exhortation that the author of Hebrews gives us is in verse 24. <clears throat> because of his presence and priesthood, he tells us this in verse 24, let us consider let us consider, okay? Let us consider. And from that point, all the way to the end of verse 25, that verb to let us con- to consider uh, is multifold. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let us consider not neglecting to meet together, verse 25. Let us consider uh, to encourage one another all the more as we see the day drawing near. And so what we're going to do today is this. We're going to look at these verses, verses 24 and 25, and and this command to consider. And we're going to zoom in, look at the details, and at the end of the sermon, we'll zoom out and see why this command is here in this place and and what's it doing in this passage. Because it's interesting, right? The first two commandments, the first two let us's, you could say, uh, had to do with drawing near to God and and trusting in his promises, trusting in him. But this third one, it's a little different. This third encouragement here has to do with how we relate to one another, how we relate to one another. And so what what does that have to do with everything here? And so let's look at this verse carefully. First here, consider the verb, right? Uh, Consider, consider, I guess you could say. What does that word consider, consider mean? And it, it means this, intentionally, we are to think, to ponder, uh, to be intentional about what it is that 
the author of Hebrews telling us. To say consider means that this is something that we need to give time to think about, to, to really put our mind to, to intentionally think, to ponder. It means this, that when the author of Hebrews says, let's consider, he's saying that whatever he's about to say after this verb, whatever he wants us to do from verse 24 to 25, it's not going to happen automatically. It's not going to happen automatically. It takes effort. It takes focus. It takes intentionality. And so he says, consider. Consider one another. That's what he says in these verses, right? Now, here's the question then. How do we take this word, consider, and relate it to one another? How do we take the truths about what Jesus has done and, and who he is and use that in a way that relates to one another. And in these two verses, there are three things. First, we consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, okay? The second thing, we consider not to neglect to meet together as is the habit of some. And third, we are to consider how we are to encourage one another all the more as the day draws near, okay? That's how we do it. This is what he's saying. Consider, let us consider one another, how to stir up one another to love and good works, how to not neglect meeting together, and let's consider how to encourage one another. See? So let's look at these very carefully and see how these things play out. First, <clears throat> consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. You know, in the English, it's two words, one another, right? But in the original language, it's actually just one word. And it's talking about a, uh, a mutuality, a one anothering, you could kind of say, right? And, and what we're to do for one another is this, to stir up each other to love and to good works. And this word, uh, stir up, it's, 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 it's more than just encourage, all right? It's more than just, uh, you know, encourage someone to love and good works. It's a strong word. In some English translations, it's not stir up, it's spur. Spur each other to love and good works. You know what a spur is, right? If you've ever seen cowboys riding on a horse and on their boots, you know, they've got these little things at the boots that, that they're called spurs. And, and they kick it into the horse to get the horse to move faster or forward. It's irritating, right? It, it, it kind of hurts, doesn't it? You think it, it's, it's provoking. And so the word spur, the word stir up here is more than just encouragement. It literally means this, to irritate one another, to provoke one another. It literally means to sharply disagree or even to confront one another to love and good works. Okay, that's what he's saying. Consider how to spur each other, to provoke one another, to confront one another. To basically, basically colloquial speaking, it means this. It means you get in each other's face. You get in each other's face to do and to encourage them to do love and to do good works, right? Good things. And basically what the author of Hebrew is saying here is this, that we need to think about this. We need to intentionally Consider how to get into each other's faces and move each other to do love and to do good privately in our lives before God and publicly before others. That's what he's saying. Let me, let me try to illustrate this for you. If I, as a Christian, came to you as a fellow Christian brother or sister, and I said to you, hey, you know what? Today, I'm going to overdose on drugs. That's why I just feel like it. You know what? Um, 
what are you going to say? How do you respond to that? Are you going to say, wow, for real, you're really going to do that? You're a crazy and wild guy. You know, you know, I used to do some of that a long time. No, right? You are to spur each other to good words. You are to get in their face, to confront them, say, what are you nuts? What, what, what are you stupid? What, are you dumb? Why would you do that? Right? If I told you, you know, today, you know what? I'm going to just sleep around. I'm just going to sleep around and do whatever I want to do with my body. And, you know, and if you're a Christian, you hear that as a fellow, a brother says that to you or a sister says that to you. How do you respond? You say, oh, that's pretty crazy. I don't, I'm not sure about that one. Is that all you're going to do? Consider how to stir up one another to love in good works. That's what he's saying. Well, what are you nuts? Why, why would you do such a thing like that? You can't do that. Right? That's what he's saying. And so what this verb here is this, is this, it's about a loving, but it's about an honest confrontation to encourage someone to doing love and to doing good. Okay, that's what he's talking about here. And I know that some of us, we, we don't like confrontation, right? It, it, we don't necessarily uh, look for it. We, in fact, many of us avoid it, but it's something that I think the author of Hugh is saying that all of us need. And if you don't have people around you that allow, that you allow to confront you like this, you may not persevere in your faith and you're probably not really gonna grow. If you're too touchy, if you're too private and too sensitive to let anybody come into your life and tell you the truth, even though you may not like to hear it at that time, but for your love, for your benefit, spiritually speaking, if you don't have someone like this, you may spiritually be dead in the water. Okay, you might think to yourself, you know what, <clears throat> well, you know, this is what I want. And if you're my friend, or if you love me, then, then you, if you like me, you'll give what I want. But the truth is, we're, we're sinners. And, and what that means is that sometimes what I want, and what I really need, or what God says I really need, there are completely different and opposite things. And what I need at that moment is someone to get into my life and to set me straight. You know, let's say you're, let's say you're running outside. The weather's been nice. It's a great, you know, weather to, to run outside. But let's say, you know, you're running a long distance race. And before you run, you tell a friend of yours, you say, uh, hey, can you do me a favor? Uh, I want you to drive alongside of me as I run this long distance race. And I know me. I, I know me. Two thirds down the race, I'm going to want to quit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be tired, I'm going to be in pain, and I'm just going to want to stop. And when that happens, can you do me a favor? Can you drive alongside of me and encourage me, do whatever you need to do to get me to finish the last third of this race? Can you do that for me? And your friend says, yes, I'll do that. Okay, I'll do it. So you run the race, and two-thirds down the line, exactly as you knew what was going to happen, you start thinking, I want to quit. I want to stop running. It's too painful. It hurts. I don't think I'm going to be able to finish, right? And and here comes your friend drives alongside of you and you look at them and you say, hey, I think I'm just going to quit. I'm done. I'm done. And you say to that runner, you say, hey, you know what? You can't quit. You told me you wanted me to help you finish, right? Now, if you're that person trying to encourage that runner, you don't say, hey, well, yeah, you know, you do look like you're pretty tired. Why don't you give a, get yourself a break? That's not what that person needs. It's maybe what that person wants, 
but that person told you what that person needs. You get to that person. You say, look, you need to move. You need to keep going. I don't care how much it hurts. Stop being a wuss. Stop being a, you know, a pansy. Just, just move forward. Endure the pain. Just finish the race. You need someone to get into your face and to push you along. That's what he's talking about. This is what the author of Hebrews is saying as we get into each other's lives. To give me what I need and not just what I want. And so what it means is that when I experience those times in my life where I know that the Bible says I shouldn't, but I want to, when you see me doing that, I need you to come after me, to spur me on like a horse, to confront me, to get in my face and remind me to do good and to love well and to persevere. That's what I need. And the question we have here is this, do you have someone like this in your life? Do you have someone in your life that will do this for you? Someone who will consider, all right, how to do this for you out of love that you've given a, a permission to because you know they care. Have you have someone like this in your life? Not just to stroke your ego, not just to give you whatever you want and be nice to you all the time, but on the flip side, think about this. Do you have someone you can do this for? Do you have someone that you can honestly and lovingly and, and, and freely do this for? That you have considered for this person how you can consider to encourage and to move forward this person in their life, in their growth, right? In love and good works. That's a question we need to answer. And it's something that we need, okay? The second thing here is this. Uh, not only are we to consider how to encourage or stir up or spur one another to love and good works, but also in verse 25, it says this, not to neglect to meet together as is the habit of some, right? So consider not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Now, now here's the question. Why would these people that he's writing to neglect to meet together? And the reason is because to be honest, there were social pressures in their time. There was persecution for their faith uh, and for what they believed. Christianity was relatively new. They were still coming from a Jewish background. And there was a lot of pressure from families and friends who were still Jewish to, to kind of go back to, to those things. And it was a struggle. Um, and sometimes they were just... Maybe they're just too busy, right? Too busy to physically get together. But the author of Hebrews gives us this practical advice. He's saying, don't stop meeting with fellow believers. And I know what some of you might be thinking, this is a verse where it says, we've got to go to church. We've got to go to church with fellow believers. We've got to congregate with fellow believers in worship, right? And I think that's certainly part of it, but it's more than that. Here's the thing. I know we're online today right? And we've been online for a while. And some of you, you're just tired of Zoom, right? You're just tired of being online. You're just tired of watching TV, basically. And you're watching the screen and, and you're watching me. And uh, maybe some of you are thinking, well, here, it says we shouldn't stop meeting together, but there's nothing I could do about this one because we're not meeting together in person and in worship. We're, we're doing Zoom. And so that kind of really already puts us at a disadvantage, Right. And so you're feeling a little frustrated by that. And there are others of you, you know, kind of like me, you, you're kind of fine with it. Right. Uh, at, le at least for now, you're kind of fine with it. I have to personally admit that when we started Zoom, it was a little weird. And, and you know, I, I, I did miss actually meeting physically in person. But 
it's become a habit and uh, it's been six months or so and uh, it's really comfortable uh, to be honest in some ways I don't I don't have to fully get dressed you know, I, 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 don't, I don't have to even shower sometimes. Uh, I don't have to get out of, of the house. And, uh, you know, there's a point, maybe, maybe we should go permanently virtual. Right? Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. And I, I'm just kidding. We, we'll never do that. But here's the thing. Whatever side you land on, I want you to know this. This situation here with this Zoom thing and your computer screen is not permanent. Right? It, it's not permanent. And I know that this is not the same or as ideal as worshiping in person. But verse 25 here in our passage, the command to consider not to neglect meeting together is not just about Sunday worship. It's more than that. Think about this. You are to consider how to spur one another to love and good works, right? You can't do that in a Sunday worship in person. You're not spurring and encouraging one another to love and good works in Sunday worship. That's not happening during service. You're focused up front. You are, you're, you're looking at me or you're focused on the praise or you're focused on, 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 the, on the words on the screen, right? That's what a church service is. You're not taking the time during service in person to go around and encourage one another verbally or, or any other way. And so what the author of Hebrews is talking about here to not neglect meeting together is, is, is more than just going into Sunday church. What he's talking about is to meet in such a way where you can be in a situation where you can consider how to spur on and to be spurred on to love and good works, to encourage someone else to love and good works. And that can happen when you get together with a few believers. That can happen when you meet some folks in a backyard. That can happen at a park. That can happen physically uh, with a person outside of Sunday. And even if you feel like, well, you know, you just can't meet anyone physically, consider, think about, ponder alternative ways to be in a situation where you can find encouragement and you can give encouragement to someone who really needs it. Whether that's over Zoom, whether that's over FaceTime, whether that's over a phone call. You see, for some of us, our problem is not that we don't meet physically enough with other Christians. Some of you do. In fact, some of you, that's all you do right? Our problem is that when we do meet with other Christians, oftentimes our definition of Christian fellowship is just too shallow. It's too shallow. You can meet physically all you want. You can physically gather with believers on Sundays, right? During worship, during fellowship, during community groups. You can meet with fellow Christians for lunch or for dinner or in your backyard. You can eat, you could drink, you could laugh and talk and whatever, all you want, and still never be encouraged, never be stirred up to love and good works, and still never ever encourage anyone else to do the same. Yes, Physically meeting with others, I think, is always more effective. It's always more effective. It was back then in biblical times because they had no other option. They didn't have Zoom. They didn't have the Internet. They didn't have iPhones or iPads. But it's also always effect, more effective here and now as well. I really believe that. But the point here is not the physical meeting. The point here is to be in a situation, preferably physical, where you and others can be mutually encouraged and spurred on to persevere. That's the point here. And this is so important. This is why this is important is this. 
you, you know, you, you remember one of the privileges we have is that we can draw near to God, and, and he tells us to do that, and we have access to God because of what Jesus has done, and now the presence of God has drawn near to us, and so we have access, and so he says draw near, but the question is this, where do you get the access to God, practically speaking? Where can you experience the presence of God in your life? And the author of Hebrews says it's this, it's in community. It's when people experience the presence of God most when it's with other people. People experience the presence of God the most through people. This is what the fellowship does. That's why he says, draw near to me, hold on to your faith, and don't stop meeting. And if you thought being a Christian and growing and persevering in your faith is just going to be done with your own personal private QTs and your own individualistic devotionals, just sort of a me and my Bible kind of faith, and you expect your life to change, you're wrong. Christianity, whatever it is, is not practiced in solitude whether physically or otherwise. It's not a solitary religion. And so that's why he says it's important to me. The fellowship of believers is a very important resource that God has given us so that we endure this spiritual race. And Hebrews encourages us to consider and to care for one another by giving this negative command. Let's not neglect to meet with others. If you want to endure, if you want to grow, if you want to be challenged, if you want to hold fast your faith, negatively, don't stop meeting with other Christians in any way, form, or otherwise. And positively, consider how to stir one another to love and good works. Now, the last thing he says here is this. The third thing and what we're to consider is this. He goes on to say, look at verse 25, or listen to verse 29 or 25. He says this, encourage, encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, again, to think, to ponder, to intentionally, deliberately think about giving someone encouragement. And you know, that word encouragement here is this, to encourage is, is literally means to, to come alongside of someone, to, to put yourself in somebody's shoes and show that you're for them. And so on the one hand, spur on, you know, we need confrontation. But on the other hand, this word, it's more about support. It's more about comfort, and it's sort of the opposite of spurring, and we need both. And he closes with the most interesting phrase. He says there's all the more as you see the day drawing near. Uh, the day drawing near, and that word day is a capital D. It's talking about the last day, when things are going to be once and for all done. You know, I'm not an end of the world, doomsday, apocalyptic kind of guy. You know, repent, this is the end of the world kind of person, but... I'm going to admit it. Uh, I can't wait for 2020 to be over. All right. I can't wait to be over the viral pandemic, uh, racial, political strife, uh, being sick and feeling sick or hearing about others getting sick, uh, natural disasters all around the, our country, fires and earthquakes, loved ones getting hurt and sick, loved ones unexpectedly passing away, uh, and not only people we know, but, but famous people, uh, Ruth Ginsburg gone, even the Black Panther got beat by cancer, right? We might be living in a bubble, but, but I just can't wait for this to be done. And we might be living in this 
in our own little worlds. But the honest thing is, the honest truth is, we just never know what's next. I mean, what's next? We just never know. No one knows when the end will arrive. No one knows, whether in our personal lives or, or out there in the world. We just don't know what's going to happen next. But I want you to know this. You and I are closer than you were yesterday to the end. You and I are closer today than we were yesterday to the end. And so the author of Hebrew here is saying, as that end draws near, encourage one another. Don't let this life go by without being a source of encouragement for someone else. To encourage them to whatever end it is to persevere and finish this race. That's what he's saying, okay? That's what he's saying. And so let me just sum it up here as we've zoomed in here on these two verses. He says, I want you to consider to spur each other on, to not neglect meeting in whatever form or fashion, and to encourage one another as the day draws near. Now let's zoom out. Why is this verse here in terms of how we relate to one another? Remember, Hebrews is all about perseverance. And this are given to us. These things are given to us to help us to persevere. But did you notice this? If you haven't already, each of these commands, let us draw near, let us hold fast our faith, let us consider, each of these commands are done in community. This section is all about community. It's all about community, right? Let us draw near. Let us hold on to our confession. Let us consider. It's all about community here. We draw near together. We hold on to our faith together. We consider one another together. It's not you need to persevere. It's we need to persevere. It's not I need to persevere. It's us, right? It's, it's, it's us. There is no you here. There is no me here. It's only us. And without the us, we will have a hard time growing and persevering in our faith, right? Did you notice this in these two, in these verses here? Let us draw near with faith. Let us hold fast the confession of what? Our hope. And let us consider how to stir up one another to what? Love. Faith, hope, and love. Does that sound familiar? The Apostle Paul said something very similar. And so this is all about a community and about a connectedness that we have as believers, that we've been given for our perseverance, to be a source of encouragement and perseverance in faith, in hope, and love. That's why this is written. And this is a message that we need to hear now more than ever before. We're not a bunch of people that just physically meet in a certain place and a certain time once a week, okay? We're called to be a Christian community, whether physically in person or online or whatever form of, or whatever it is. And as a community, much like a plant with many different branches, but all connected to that one vine and therefore connected to one another indirectly, it means this. That ministry doesn't happen top down, right? That it's not just pastors and elders and leadership to counsel, to teach, to shepherd, to encourage its members. But it's also to happen horizontally, that we counsel one another, that we admonish one another, that we bear burdens with one another. There's a one anothering, a mutuality that needs to take place in our community that's given so that you and I as individuals, as we take part in this, are able to grow and to persevere and move forward in our faith. We need this. 
And I know that Zoom can make all of this challenging, but let's face it, okay? Even without the pandemic, some of you still feel like you're alone. That this community isn't really working out for you as you'd hoped. And if that's you, right, if that's you, I want to remind you, those two truths, you have the presence of God and you have the priesthood of Christ. In other words, because of what Jesus did, you have communion with the holy God, right? How? Here, finish this sentence. The wages of sin is what? It's death right? And that's absolutely true. And that's why Jesus had to die because of our sins. But remember when he died on the cross, what did she say? What did he say? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me, right? The wages of sin for Jesus was not just death. The wages of sin is also aloneness, loneliness, utter and terrible loneliness, he was forsaken alone. And the point here is this. You might feel lonely or alone at times, but Jesus experienced complete and utter aloneness that you and I deserved. Jesus was forsaken so that God would never forsake you. He lost all community in order to put you and I into one, albeit an imperfect, still needs a lot of work and a lot of effort, but nevertheless, a real community of believers who have communion with him. And so there's a deep mutual ministry to get into each other's our lives in one way or another, to open up ourselves to one another for our purpose, our blessing, our growth. Don't miss out on this. You might think it's hard to experience real community because you can't physically go to church on Sunday, but you can go to church all your life and you can still not experience community and do all of this. So consider, consider, Consider not, hey, what am I getting out of this? Consider not how, how am I uh, being blessed in this community, but consider what? Consider others. Consider how you can spur someone to good love, love and good works. Consider how you can uh, encourage someone to uh, be more forgiving, to, to be less angry, to be more joyful, to be wiser. How you can consider someone else to grow by listening and sharing the weaknesses and the strengths that we all have. Right? Do we do this? Are we doing this in one way or another? Even with just a few, can we do this? So let's consider how to help someone to persevere in this situation, to encourage, to look forward to that encouragement, not only for others, but also for yourself. Be a community of faith, be a community of hope, be a community of love, and that will persevere you. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your grace. And as we wrap up 